Welcome in to the NASCAR Betting Preview Show Podcast, episode 21. I'm your host, Derek Yoder, and on this episode, I'm going to recap the Food City Dirt Race from Bristol from a betting perspective, go over where I was right and what I got wrong from a betting perspective as well, and then share my thoughts regarding Martinsville coming up this week. I'm also going to tackle some of the comments and questions I saw regarding the dirt race over the weekend. But first, I want to start with Christopher Bell. Obviously, he was the winner of the dirt race on Sunday night. And, you know, that 20 team, they played great strategy. They had a fast car, uh, but their strategy really came into being the deciding factor where staying out after that stage two, they elected to not get new tires, which obviously tires were not a factor by any means. I mean, anybody going over, you know, 175 laps or whatever it was, I believe, you know, he was on, obviously, uh, proved that it was not even a factor to have fresh rubber. So uh, him and nine other cars stayed out after that stage two, which ultimately got him the W because it really put some good cars back uh, behind them. And, uh, you know, Christopher Bell, when it looks when you look at what he's his strengths are uh, in racing in general, obviously the dirt series is. Uh, where he gets his bread and butter. It's where he's been able to hone in his craft and be the racer in the Cup Series that he is. So uh, no surprise here to see Christopher Bell win on Sunday. Tyler Reddick as well finished second. Tyler, we remember with Chase Briscoe the uh, follow, uh, the year prior. Uh, going into turn three, he had the lead coming out. Uh, he finished second, obviously got spun. Kyle Busch passed them both. So uh, Tyler Reddick showed that he was uh, strong once again. And congratulations to those guys. The 45 teams really starting to pick up some steam. So good betting opportunities for us to uh, jump on a guy that has momentum like that. I also want to call out uh, Austin Dillon. So Austin had a strong car from the heat races into the uh, cup race on Sunday. There were many uh, that I was connected with within the uh, industry that uh, were on Austin Dillon. I questioned it, actually, uh, where I was kind of curious, hey, why, you know, why are people on him? Obviously, he does have a dirt background as well. I just felt like there were going to be other cars that were better, but there may have been nobody better than the three car uh, for I don't want to say a majority of the race, but a large portion of it. I feel like he had the fastest car uh, even when he wasn't in the lead. So if you handicapped Austin Dillon before the race and you got some really nice numbers, hopefully you were able to cash out, make a little profit going into the race, you know, maybe kept a ticket or two just to hope um, that he would eventually pull it out. But very good job handicapping by many that I saw. So I was very impressed by that. Unfortunately, I was not on him by any means. And actually, I'll touch on that first because I came into this race on Sunday doing something I've never done in quite some time. And I was on nobody. I wasn't on an outright. I wasn't on a head-to-head. I wasn't on any props. I was on nothing. Uh, What I did was I waited until uh, Chris Worm, uh, who does the pre-race poll uh, on his YouTube account, which if you've not followed or or watched that, I recommend you do that every weekend. Uh, Sunday does about an hour and a half before each race. And what I decided to do was there were some really good podcasts out there. So I was able to kind of have some information going in. But I felt like as a handicapper and somebody that does this and uh, the community relies on information week in and week out, I just didn't have an edge. I I really didn't have a lot of confidence going in. I didn't know what to expect. Um, there were some that said this is this is a phenomenal race to handicap. And it was just interesting to watch a lot of people I respect say that. And they obviously had a lot of confidence going in where I'm sitting on the sidelines, man. 
saying, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't even know who's going to be good. Uh, we didn't have practice on Friday. That kind of hurt uh, me wanting to even bet on the race. Obviously, we had the heat races, but you know, Kyle Larson being one of the guys that had the easiest heat race of all time. Uh, he started, I believe, sixth and had uh, he was in the lead. Then after three turns uh, on the first lap, so it just goes to show how easy his heat was. Now Ryan Priest was in that, and Ryan gave him a hell of a run. Had a faster car than uh, Kyle Larson in that heat. But however, you know, the only thing I had to go off of was obviously historical data, which isn't much because it's three races. Last year was the only race on the night, but it was rainy. So going in again, I didn't have a lot of data points to even give me any type of confidence. And uh, I wanted to do this. I wanted to watch what Chris had to say at 530, uh, where he has a, a good community that gets in there asked a ton of questions. Chris is giving obviously his uh, feedback from his, you know, professional abilities. And I just sat back and listened. I had a buddy text me and said, uh, you know, what are we on today? And I said, watch Chris's show, just watch him, whatever he says uh, I would listen to. So uh, I was able to do that. And I came away feeling, I don't want to say that I even felt overly confident on anything. I was, I was in a line with Chris, uh, when he was talking about Christopher Bell, I felt like that was probably the best option uh, on the board. However, they were low priced. I mean, I think he was at 800 or eight to one to open uh, at the start of the race. So uh, I figured I could wait to, to live bet if I really wanted to do anybody. Um, there were some other names as well. You know, Briscoe was a name I was watching. Uh, Stenhouse I was curious about, and I'll get to Stenhouse uh, here in a little bit. However, again, I was, I was unsure what to do. I saw all these betting cards out there. It really felt like I had FOMO for a minute where I was like, everybody's on stuff and I'm not. But it really was a good opportunity for me to evaluate my handicapping processes personally and say, you know, I wasn't confident going in. I, I live in a live betting state, so I should take advantage of the live betting opportunities. Uh, ultimately, I ended up jumping on two head-to-heads prior to the race. Again, these were just two positions that I felt like were really good and I was content with, even if that I didn't bet anything live. I was happy with uh, where I was with these head-to-heads, and it was Stenhouse over Hamlin and Stenhouse uh, in another head-to-head over Chastain, and Chastain and Hamlin had uh, forgettable nights, to say the least, where Stenhouse finished top five. So that was... <clears throat> that was great there. Uh, really had a good, clear mindset going in. However, you know, if we go back to Bristol Dirt, I feel like I have a little bit more of data to now pull and put forth uh, towards it. But don't force anything. It's kind of my biggest point here is there's a lot of people that are obviously posting phenomenal cards and they're putting in a lot of work and uh, effort. But it ultimately falls on you personally, you know, you putting your uh, unit allocation, your hard earned money uh, towards each of these bets. So you know, just because uh, content creators or, you know, anybody out there that's really involved in this space is going in on something, that doesn't mean you have to. I know a lot of people tail or fade individuals, but again, it's just something that when you when you're going in and you don't have a whole lot of confidence, just listen to that. Be mindful. It's a long, this is a marathon. This isn't a, a sprint. This isn't, you know, the NFL or the NCAA where, you know, there's 12 to 18 regular season games. This is a 36 week schedule. This is multiple races. Then if you throw in Xfinity and trucks, you're looking at like 90 races. Um, so don't force it. And that was one thing I was really glad I came out of. Now was my unit, um, you know, did I, did I profit a whole lot? No, but I stayed true to what I felt like I 
wanted to do. And uh, although it looked, it was a little difficult and having people reach out that are, you know, trusting me for information. And I had to tell them, unfortunately, you know, maybe go a different direction or, Hey, look over here at this, uh, you know, this card or that betting card. Uh, I can't help you out at the moment, but was able to help out live, which was good. And, and uh, you know, touched on Stenhouse where I was right with Stenhouse uh, in those two head to heads. I was also able to jump on, uh, Christopher Bell, you know, I got him twice uh, during the race. I didn't tweet those out, so you won't see them uh, posted or allocated anywhere. I just didn't, again, I didn't feel confident uh, in even my handicapping abilities to be able to give out stuff uh, since I wasn't on anything coming in. I did jump on Joey Logano uh, when he fell back the first time, got him at 20 to 1 coming back through the field. Uh, we know that didn't go well. That was posted on my Twitter account and shown uh, as a loss there. So, um, <clears throat> You know, it's one of those races. I know it's a it's a nov- novelty race, uh, which many will say. I don't hate the racing on dirt. Obviously, I would be cool if they did it elsewhere. There's a lot of the drivers that just say we don't need it in general. Um, I'm good with growing the sport. And if something like that is a, a good tool when we're looking at grassroots racing that we can be that can be used, um, I'm all for it. But uh, not at Bristol. I think, uh, me just like everybody else would like to see the concrete come back. It's from a handicapping perspective. It's, you know, what we're all accustomed to, but again, there's some of these races where I understand NASCAR is trying to bring in a new audience or, or mix things up. I'm, I'm good with that from time to time, as long as it's the right race. But uh, the one thing for me as a fan is getting that driver input and you need the drivers to be on, uh, or, you know, giving opinions one way or another in or out. And then my hope is that NASCAR would eventually listen to that because that's who's utilizing your product the most is uh, the driver. So hopefully, you know, if we go back, it's an agreed upon thing of where uh, there's a lot of great dirt tracks out there. There's a lot of great opportunities out there. We've seen that we can build a racetrack within a a football stadium, a collegiate face football stadium. Um, So why can't we, you know, make a dirt race uh, somewhere. I'm, I'm sure that could be an idea at some point. I want to go over where I was wrong, kind of touched on this a little bit. Joey Logano, obviously I was wrong on him. I had my grid rival lineup, and, and, and this is another example of why I was not feeling confident. I made my grid rival lineup this week, and I had no confidence whatsoever. I literally felt like I was guessing on each head-to-head matchup that was uh, posted. And Joey was one uh, versus Kyle Busch last week, and I just felt like Joey, uh, his strengths, I felt like his strengths would probably outdo what Kyle was going to do in the race. Now, obviously, Joey just never got to show anything whatsoever when it came to uh, his ability in the race. He did fall back in that first caution, rallied up to 16th. I was happy to jump on him at 20 to 1. Felt like that was a favorable number with 200 laps to go. You know, all he had to do is work his way up, maybe a little strategy like we saw from Christopher Bell. and, And right there, he would be in the mix. So. I was good with that. Um, the other thing that I thought about with him was then when he fell back again and he got, got back up to 15th or 14th. So it was like, man, this guy's got a really fast car, but then ultimately had many issues. So I was way, way wrong on him. Uh, another guy that I was not invested in personally, but I thought might have a good day was Daniel Suarez. I think a few of us had uh, Daniel as a guy that to maybe a name to watch and Daniel my goodness, uh, as I'm looking at my Heat 4 notes here, um, I have listed as, yikes, worst car all day by a mile, spun out on his own. So that 99 car just was not good from the jump. 
that pretty much them unloading. So a rare off weekend for the 99, especially now the 99 has been a car uh, and a team where we're, we're looking at them as not only contenders to win, but uh, a driver to keep an eye on throughout the course of the race. So that's one thing uh, that I was thinking about during the race of that, that surprised me. The other thing, uh, you know, 20, the 23 car, he won uh, that first, that heat number four was a big surprise to me. The eight car was solid. So there were a lot of names that uh, if you did well in the heat, you did well in the race. It was one of those things where there wasn't a lot of passing going on. Um, but yeah, I thought all in all from a handicapping perspective, fine with how it went. I know there's many out there again that had really um, solid cards. Uh, I saw a lot of people profiting uh, this week. So that was good. Good to see. And, Again, just trust your instincts, trust your gut, trust your um, data that you're working off of um, whenever you're going in the race. If you're not feeling it, don't force it uh, is the best thing I can say there. So I want to go over uh, Martinsville a little bit, and then we'll head out here. So Martinsville is coming up. Uh, I, obviously, it's short track season, right? We just had Richmond, Bristol, and now Martinsville. So Martinsville last year, uh, Byron won the race. It was a snooze fest uh, last year. It was the race where... It was the first Gen 7 race at Bristol. It rained. It was snowy. It was very cold. There was not a lot of tire wear. Um, so nobody was passing because of the shifting. And you're going to hear that a lot this week. However, Christopher Bell won the fall race, which was the last race before the championship. So there was a lot of drama then with that race. Obviously, we all remember Ross Chastain rim riding it on the outside wall, which I don't believe they fixed or adjusted. I think those marks are still there to uh, replicate uh, what he did and him getting into the championship. So you'll hear that a lot this week as well. But uh, one thing I want to touch on is I want to touch on the uh, the recent finishes, recent performances here uh, over the last six races, specifically when we look at the driver averages. And Joey Logano leads the field with an average finish of five. 5.2 in his last six races. He has three top five, six top tens. Uh, Ryan Blaney, his teammate, is right behind him. This is Ryan's best track, arguably. Uh, he has a 5.5 finish in his last six races with four top fives and four top tens. He actually has led 8% of those laps in those last six races. Uh, William Byron uh, has a 10th place finish on average in the last six as a win. Obviously, we talked about that a little bit last year. Has three top fives, five top tens. And last year, he led so many laps. So when you look at those laps led percentage, you're going to see it really skewed uh, towards last year's rating. So uh, make sure that you're watching a little bit for that. Kyle Larson has a 10th place finish average as well. And then Martin Truex as the top five closes it out at 11.7. He's got six. Uh, he's got in his last six races, two wins, three top fives three top tens, uh, and has led 10% of those races. So just a few names to uh, to note. Obviously, no surprise when we're talking about Kyle Larson and William Byron, even Martin Truex, who's been really good, especially in those Gen 6 era uh, car here. Uh, but the names that might surprise you is obviously William uh, or Ryan Blaney and then Joey Logano as well, uh, since they don't have a pair of wins at all, but they do have some really solid top fives and 10 finishes. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, one other note, and I know SHR did this uh, when they were at the Clash, is they ran their Martinsville package. So uh, drive off is everything. When we look at drive in and braking, the car that gets through the corner the best is able just to kind of ride that bottom and exit off is going to be the car that ultimately wins the race because that's the guy that's able to get it done the best. Historically, Hendrick 
and their brake package system has been able to dominate these types of races because of that. Um, these are now more uh, spec parts. Um, where each team has the same stuff. So maybe that advantage is gone uh, a little bit for them. Uh, obviously they won the race here last year it was a little bit more of a, uh, in the spring, you know, it was more of a asterisk, if you will. Um, they got the job done, but uh, with no passing or anything. The other thing I do want to say about the no passing, and I mentioned it a little bit was the shifting. Now, Danny Hamlin mentioned this on his podcast and, you know, with these guys able to shift, if they get off a little bit, they just drop it down a gear and then accelerate off. And it really makes up for any type of mistake. Well, every driver is shifting more than likely. So it's not like anybody's getting a, you know, remarkable uh, amount of speed out of a car versus somebody else. So passing, I believe, will be limited. Um, this is a 500 lap race and qualifying and pit selection are everything so if you're if you have a guy that goes out wins the poll maybe he was opened at like a 15 to 1 or 16 to 1 now uh, at the race is a 10 to 1 i jump on that because that first pit stall that selection is so key uh we there are going to be a few cautions we, we've seen this race more so as of late be there's some longer green flag runs which is great um especially from a betting perspective if you live in a live betting state so you want to jump on the guy that has that first uh, pit selection you you'll see that he'll make up two three spots at a time each pit stop just because of that spot uh, this is one of the tightest if not the tightest pit roads in NASCAR so there's going to be guys that have damage uh, run into each other but that first pit stall uh, going out exiting into the back stretch it is so key so make sure you're keeping an eye for that uh, going into the weekend the last thing i want to do is i want to touch on some of the odds uh, they dropped here um, recently and i want to start with barstool so william byron opens at six to one larson right behind him at seven to one bell eight to one uh, bell obviously won this race here in the fall hamlin who uh, has said that he is going to go on a run and it starts this week is opening at eight to one as well. A couple other notables we touched on Ryan Blaney. He's at 11 to one Alex Bowman. Who's won this race before he's at 16 to one uh, chase Briscoe. He was, he opened at 40 to one now at 25 to one. So uh, some movement happening there. Tyler Reddick, who we've talked about has been really fast and, uh, the last few weeks specifically, he's at 25 to one to open the race. Chris Busher, Austin Dillon, they're firing off at 50 to one. Ryan Priest as well, who a well-known short track driver. Uh, Ty Gibbs, 50 to one as well. We know what Ty's been able to do when it comes to the Xfinity series in this type of event. So this track uh, suits his skill set for sure. Ty Dillon has also scored four straight, four straight top 10 so amazing to see what he's been able to do the last four weeks has he had a top 10 car in either of those absolutely not but he is uh getting finishes when it matters most so uh kudos to the team over there at the 54 car uh just a few other ones this one's now on caesars uh kevin harvick's at 20 to 1 uh, ross chastain who we talked about 15 to 1 joey logano 10 to 1 so there's some notable names uh out there that you know depending what you're able to find from your data points uh like for instance on caesar's martin truex opened as the favorite at six to one uh where you have william byron and christopher bell as the co-favorites at six to one as well so make sure you're shopping around finding that best line uh that's available to you and i want to touch on a few of the comments and questions that i saw regarding the race i post this question out there every week before i, I jump on the record and i want to understand where people got uh, things right what people got things wrong and uh sc our, our guy out there he said one thing he got wrong he was wrong on logano in so many ways uh like many of us sc logano is uh 
not the play uh, this week by any means. Uh, NASCAR DJ, he says, you know, he was wrong too uh, on Logano as well. However, you know, he's sure that at, was he actually wrong? Seems like he got caught up in a few things on lap three and another wreck. So, uh, you know, it was just another another issue there. Another guy that was on uh, Logano and then NASCAR Damus. Uh, he says uh, last week the negatives, Caesars taking off the exactus, Quintella's uh, after the heats. Uh, he wanted Bell and Reddick to have both outright, did not get that because they took that down. This week coming up, however, Truex will be underrated, he felt like, uh, given the clash, his performance there, uh, leading at Richmond. Byron is going to be the favorite. Priest is the underdog. And if you remember Priest and uh, MTJ at the clash, they had such a good battle uh, all race long. So I appreciate the comment there. Uh, and then exit 20 or 261, uh, he says, you know, Regarding Reddick, he was wrong about Reddick. Uh, he won't make that mistake again. Obviously, Reddick had two really good finishes now back to back in those types of races uh, at Bristol Dirt. So, uh, a little bit wrong there. I was wrong as well. Uh, I chose in the grid rivals, I think it was Suarez over Reddick. So, you, how do you think I felt the entire race knowing that I had the worst car in the field versus uh, one of the best? So, uh, a number of us I see were wrong uh, about that. <clears throat> And then Sean Sports Picks, and who does a lot on Twitter, he said the thing that he got right was he kept his card light. We talked about that a little bit as well. Uh, he only did winners, went a few chalk, went with Bell, Larson, Reddick. Uh, so he had his dirt racers uh, covered there. Sometimes going a little bit smaller is better, he says. Early thoughts on Martinsville are this. You know, keep an eye on the Dominators, Denny out front, who Denny dominated this race here in the fall. And, and then where, you know, where do we go with uh, not having Chase Elliott, who's been really strong here? Josh Berry obviously got his first ever uh, Xfinity win at Martinsville. So maybe Josh Berry going back to a place that he he really likes, had a second place finish at Richmond. So maybe Josh Berry is a play uh, in some regards this weekend. Next guy I want to touch on is Nick Wallace. Nick said this. He said, just missed McDowell top 10. Got right on the Austin Dillon top 10. He placed that bet on Wednesday. Good for you there. Also had a top ten, a five Austin Dillon bet. He hit multiple top 10s, including the 38, 54, 47, 31. So awesome job there, Nick. What a weekend you've had. My goodness. You also hit on the 20 car, it looks like. You had him to win and top three. You also hit on the 45 top three. My God, what did you get wrong? Uh, you fared well in the head-to-heads as well. Lost uh, on the 22 groups head of, of the head-to-head, the 22, uh, which is Joey Logano, which everybody uh, lost to since he finished last. And then he's going to hammer the 16 and the 34 uh, this coming week at Martinsville for a top 10. So, uh, Nick, kudos to you, man. That was a really good performance of handicapping that race. Uh, over the levee here, he says, got Bell outright. He had uh, Reddick and Bell top three. So kudos to you, man. You got uh, good payouts there. Suarez, he said he got wrong in a major way. He had him outright, had him as a top five. Um, and those those tickets were dead before the heats even ended. Um, the other three bets that he had, he had McDowell in Group C and Bowman top five. Logano was an outright. Um, he would make all of those again. And one other guy I want to touch on is Darren. Uh, he said this. He said, you know, Fando ignoring the truck uh, experience, uh, you know, with the opening top tens for Gilland at 14 to one and Gibbs, McDowell and Haley at 650. Uh, Caesars as well. He's he was saying about how Caesars, you know, sets their cars to finish on a lead lap. Love that bet. Wish I was able to get down on that. Uh, at twenty two and a half is just inexcusable. 
and uh, you know it's an easy over call every week. So if you're you have access to Caesars and they're offering that, uh, make sure that you're looking for some of those props. Even I miss some of those from time to time. So uh, I'll make sure that I don't have anything in PA that's able to do that. So really good comments here, good questions. Again, uh, I'll do these every Sunday after the race. I'll post it so that people can chime in. Want to read as much stuff as I can uh, for you, the uh, the listeners, so that you guys are continuing to support what i'm doing here so that'll conclude the episode here 21 uh we got a big week coming up nascar betting preview show on twitter spaces on wednesday very excited that show as we uh preview martinsville and then phil with the full tank with phil show and i will be back to do the truck race as that happens friday night so uh, we're going to be handicapping that we'll record uh wednesday more than likely and then have that post thursday so that you have ample time to get your truck series bets in And then I'll be back for the post-practice and qualifying notes. Do a podcast there leading into Sunday morning. You can see my Twitter account at Derek Yoder underscore on Twitter, and you can follow all the stuff that I have on that uh, throughout leading up to the race, through the race, and then I'll do the post-show afterwards. So busy week ahead. Thank you again for your uh, support and appreciation for uh, everything that you guys are doing in in commenting back to me and helping me uh, move this show and grow these uh, platforms. So thank you again. Have a great week. Looking forward to chatting with many of you again. Don't forget the NASCAR betting preview show, which is live on Twitter spaces, 8 PM on Twitter. uh, And it'll be a great show. So let me know if I can do anything to help. Want to definitely help the community as best I can when it comes to uh, handicapping, how going about uh, handicapping. There's a lot of really good creators and people out there that are doing a damn good job. So make sure you're getting connected with them. So I'll catch you next time for episode 22 as we look ahead at Martinsville.